0: For over 45 years, Pensacola Christian College has set aside some time each spring semester for Bible conference. These days of concentrated study and preaching from the Word of God are a time of spiritual enrichment for our students, faculty and staff, and many others who join us for these services. We're pleased to welcome you to the PCC Bible Conference. I'm reading from Matthew, the 27th chapter, beginning in verse number 22. And following. Matthew 27 and verse 22, Pilate saith unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus which is called Christ? They all say unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governors took Jesus into the common hall, and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him, and put on him a scarlet robe, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spit upon him, and took the reed, and smote him on the head, and after that they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. Let's remain standing, we'll have a word of prayer, and then please be seated. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the great opportunity to be here on this 50th anniversary Bible conference. We thank you for the lives that have been changed in this place, the lives that have been benefited in this place. Thank you for letting us be here for such a time as this. Never before in the history of America have we needed a Christian institution like Pensacola Christian College more than we need them now. We thank you that they have kept up the basics of the faith once delivered to the saints. We're thankful, Lord, that they have lifted high that cross of Calvary of which we heard sung about and praised about tonight. Lord, I pray that we might continue to praise you for who you are. For this is the crux of the matter, the cross of the matter, the cross. May we say with the Apostle Paul that we're determined not to know anything among us, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For this is the stability in every individual life, in every family life, in every church, and in a Christian college as well. Give us the Holy Spirit power tonight, yea, the unction to function in such a way that we might bring glory and honor to thee and to why you came. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, please. And sitting down, they watched him there. I want to speak tonight on the simple subject, watching Jesus die. I want to talk about the prayer before the cross, the pain that Christ endured as he approached and on the cross, and the power beyond the cross. When we think about what happened when Jesus came to that cross, I think a lot of things came to our mind. Some of the music that we heard tonight, I was thinking, I don't remember ever learning some of these songs because from the time that I was born and even before I was born in my mother's womb, we were in church and these songs were being sung and this message was being preached. But how can we get away from and how do we escape this crux of the matter, which means the cross, that's where we get the word cross from, the crucifixion. Because everything comes out from this point. This was the day which the Lord hath made. The 118th Psalm tells us. Bind the sacrifice with cords even to the horns of the altar. If you were to draw a line to the horns of the altar, it would be in perfect shape of the cross. When we think about the blood that was placed on the original Passover doors, we're reminded that it's going to take blood redemption. It would take the cross to free us. The cross to bring us out of Egypt, the cross to bring us out of ourselves. The prayer before the cross. If the cross is to really grasp us as it should, I think we need to go back to the Last Supper, which was the induction of the Lord's Supper, the communion of our Lord. They had already taken the lamb and eaten it and the bitter herbs were gone and all that remained now would be the unleavened bread and the cup. No longer would they ever need the covenant meal partaking of the lamb or partaking of the bitter herbs because that's what Jesus Christ was to do on the next day of the original Passover date. But he took the bread and broke it and said this with his body broken for us and he took the cup, the cup of the New Testament in his blood which is shed for us. And afterwards they sung a hymn I would have loved to have heard our Lord singing. What a beautiful voice he must have surely had. Was it a deep baritone? Was it a tenor? My church loves to hear me sing tenor, ten or twelve miles from here. Or on a hill far away. But I would imagine our Lord had a beautiful voice. The Bible says in Zephaniah 3.17 that God joys over us with singing. So Christ had been singing for millions of years before he came to earth. I wonder what it was like when he was a little toddler and he was singing songs and our Lord sings the hymn. He probably sang at this time the last of the Passover songs which was the 18th, 118th psalm. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You see Calvary was no accident. Calvary was no happenstance. It was not God's second thought. It was a is original thought from before the foundation of the world. Now somewhere between this point and Gethsemane, I believe our Lord prayed the 17th chapter of John. And he tells the Father that it is done as has been commanded. And he's now praying for us to be one. He crosses Kidron's brook, which by now is stained with the blood of the lambs, for you see, there were so many people attending the Passover that Christ died on that they had to divide up the Passover season between those celebrating Passover on the day before the Passover and those celebrating the day of the Passover. Judah and Benjamin would celebrate on the day of the Passover, but the northern tribes would celebrate on the day before and all of the disciples were from the northern district except for one Judas Iscariot and so our Lord who himself was reared up in the northern district celebrated on the day before it was estimated there were 275,000 lambs that were slain on the season of the Passover in which our Lord died so already in this night since the lambs had already been slain he was crossing Kidron's brook which is now stained red Our Lord, the son of David, crosses Kidron's brook, coming to Jerusalem, coming to the perimeters to die for our sins. It's the same same place where David crossed, weeping, fleeing for his life, and our Lord crosses the same brook coming for them to take his life. Amazing. Love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And as our Lord comes into Gethsemane, there is something that is said that is really arresting. And I'd like to read it to you from the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore mazed, and very heavy now that is a terminology that you were not expecting the Lord who is omniscient omnipotent immutable holy love acts shocked at some information that is now conveyed to him as he comes into Gethsemane the word sore and followed by the word amazed is an interesting word in the Greek language. Sometimes it's hard to make a clear definition in some cases from one wording to another wording. Uh, For instance, like when you translate certain words, let's say from German to English, something would be lost or some things might be gained to understand. For instance, there is no word in English called Sunzook, nor is there an equivalency. It's like the Gaelic word high wreath. Both of these words, high and sunzook, means a longing for a place where you've never been. So when you look at that wording sore amazed it's really hard to define. I was gleaning after a Greek scholar who said this, those two words sore amazed as we bring them together in the Greek it's hard for us to understand exactly what is being transmitted to us and about 1982 the United States military helped this Greek expert understand better what the word sore amazed is because the military professionals put together Tactics that were used in the original desert storm. It was called shock and awe. What that means when it says sore maze, it means that Jesus was in shock and awe. What would bring our Lord into shock and awe? Think about it for a moment. He who knows everything, he who has all power. I've said before, has that ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? But yet in the Connesis chapter 2 of Philippians, when Christ emptied himself, he chose to learn the will of God like a man, but he could not refuse the will of God because he was God. See, there was a phrase in Scripture in Luke chapter 2 where it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature so he chose to learn things but now he could call it back at any time. He saw Nathanael under the tree before Nathanael saw him. See, he was man enough that he could walk upon the land normally but he was God that he could keep walking out on the water. He was man that he could sit by a well and get thirsty but God that he could turn the water into unfermented wine. Man that he came riding to Jerusalem the back of a donkey, but God that he's coming back on a white horse in glory. He's the God-man. He wasn't trying to escape the cross when the Bible says he began to get sore amazed. Matter of fact, we saw how sore amazed he was, how shocking all he was because he repeatedly prayed, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, the Bible also said there in Mark chapter 14, in verse number 34, and saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. This is not hyperbole. This is not metaphor. He is actually coming into the throes of death. And the reason we know this is because Dr. Luke pointed out that he sweat as it were great drops of blood and it was so traumatic that an angel was sent from heaven to strengthen our Lord because he was about to die right there. Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh offered up strong crying and tears and was delivered from death. He was about to die in the garden had not the father sent the angel to strengthen him there so he would not die until the next day. Matter of fact, many people believe that the heart of our Lord ruptured in the garden. Now there's a couple reasons we believe that. In the 22nd Psalm which begins, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And they pierced my hands and my feet, which is very much the messianic, Psalm prophesying Jesus' death upon the cross. It says, My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. And we know that when they put the spear into his side, outflow blood and water, for the heart is enclosed within a watery sack. And when the rupture of the heart muscle takes place, the water breaks, the blood breaks, going into the stomach and yes into the bowels a person in medical science says can live five days with a ruptured heart I believe when our Lord was praying repeatedly let this cup pass from me that his heart was breaking because he was in shock and awe how ironic he comes up from the prayer the last time finding a disciple sleeping again now he's dripping in blood he Says that the disciples sleep on, but now they're wide awake as they come with torches to take away the light of the world, as they come with shackles to band up the hands that made the bands of Orion and Pleiades. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, the Word was God. The saints beginning with God, all things were made by him. Without him was not made anything that was made. He is before all things, and by him all things consist, whether they be thrones or dominions or power, principalities or powers. All things were made by him and for him, and yet he's humbled himself, submitting himself to sinful man for them to do what they will with him who has all power in heaven and earth never was diminished it was at his beck and call time he wanted it and the reason we know that is when Peter finally was wide awake and he was trying to cut into the head if not off the head of Malchus he was about as good a swordsman he was a fisherman at times he missed and got the ear I can imagine the man squalling like a dying calf in a hailstorm, holding his head and Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back and says hush I can imagine the guy saying, thank you. (laughs) Again, the Lord demonstrating his power. Demonstrating his power. Matter of fact, if I can add this too, you need to understand when he said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And if you look at John 18, he says, I am he, and the word he is placed in italics. The integrity of the King James translators, when they were making the translation, if they didn't have that clear translation we're talking about, they would sometimes place a word and they would place that word in italics. So in other words, most Bible students believe that what Jesus said was not just, I am he, but he was enunciating, I am that I am. And the reason we know that is because some 600 to 1,200 the soldiers fell down. That's one reason Peter was so brave to pull out a sword. If we get in trouble, he'll just give him another I am. In other words, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, but you're actually going to get the I am that I am, Jehovah God. So Jesus puts the ear back on and he says to Simon Peter, put up the sword. If I wanted to, I could call 12 legion of angels. That's somewhere between seventy-two to 144,000 angels. If we take the bottom figure of 72,000, that's remarkable. Because in the Old Testament, one angel, uno senor, one, took out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Can you imagine what 72,000 really bent out of shape angels could do? Put it up, Peter. And you remember what he said? The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. The prayer before the cross. The pain that he endured before and in the cross. And they carry him away. They go to Annas. They go to Caiaphas. And in these trials, you will see the word buffet show up. They buffeted him. That means that one man after the other. Let me, by visual aid, explain to you what the word buffet means. It means to curl your fist and throw all your weight into someone else. One after the other slugged Jesus. That's why Isaiah 52, 14 said, As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man. In other words, he was so brutally beaten that his features were nondescript and amazing. Not one bone was broken, not one tooth was chipped, for a bone of him would not be broken. Very much the man's man Jesus was. He was God and very manly man. He took it one after the other went to Caiaphas. They mocked him. It was unlawful for them to meet, but that didn't matter. They did it anyway. They took him to Pontius Pilate. Pilate is as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. He didn't know what to do. Sent him to Herod. Herod wanted a carnival show. Jesus spoke not a mumbling word, as the old spiritual says. Herod didn't know what to do with him. He sent it back to Pilate. Pilate's own wife said, have thou nothing to do with this just man? I've suffered many things today in a dream because of him. And repeatedly, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. At one place he says, I find no fault in him at all. He could have searched for millenniums and never would have found one fault in Jesus. Whenever it said, thou shalt not, he did not. Whenever it said, thou shalt, he did. He's the perfect, sinless son of God. And here he is. Pilate is wanting some information. Are are you a king? He says, I've got power, Pilate says, "to, to release you more or less. And Jesus said, you don't have any power unless it was given you of God. And here he is, astounding. Pilate with his incredible courage, with his face torn to shreds by beating, but his thinking is totally clear. No man takes my life from me, Jesus said. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up. You have no power unless it was given to you. You see, that day, Pilate was actually standing in front of Jesus, the judge, more than Jesus was standing in front of him. And it's interesting because there's some kind of disagreement about when all of this took place, but many believe that Pilate, part of the beating that Jesus went through was so that people would see how Jesus had been brutally beaten, and surely they would have mercy. And so he took the worst criminal of all to, to, to do the coup de grace against the Jewish rulers. He picked Barabbas. You know, in, in my study in, in the scriptures and in, in, in the history of things, it appears that the cross had been assigned to Barabbas. And the two men on either side were the cohorts and part of the crimes and murders that Barabbas had been involved in. And so the middle cross had been saved for Barabbas. Now here's something interesting to think about, okay? Okay. Barabbas was about 500 yards away in prison and here's what Barabbas was hearing he didn't hear the dialogue of Pilate he only was able to hear the crowd's voices arise he didn't hear them when he said whom will you that I release into you Jesus of Barabbas what he heard was crucify him crucify him And the only other thing he heard was when the crowd was saying, give us Barabbas. Put it together. All Barabbas heard was crucify Barabbas. When they came and unlocked Barabbas' door, he believed he was going to the cross. And they said, you're going to go free. He said, how's that? We're giving your cross to Jesus. My friend, you and I are Barabbas, aren't we? It's hard to believe. Can we grab hold of this? Everything we deserved and then some. Jesus took all of that and then more. Because he loves you. For God so loves the world, you're in it. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. That's what it means to be saved. He took my place in your place. The vicarious death, the substitutionary death. Jesus paid it all. How merciless was the beating! Scholarship says that the people that he, that his pilot, turned it over to were the ones that were not the regular soldiers. The ones that let out. Now, the soldiers got in on it later, but the ones that did the early work were the mercenaries, and when they did their job, it was playing top that. Who can hurt him worse? Who can insult him worse? And so they took two leather thongs or chains, and they tied it to the ceiling of the praetorium, Edersheim says, and then they tied the wrists together in such a way that it was very taunt, and then they stretched the body. They stretched the body until the toes just barely touched the ground, or until they dangled it a little bit off of the ground, and then they took this cat nine tails. There could have been more than nine, but on the end of each leather thong was a sharp piece of metal bone and or glass. I believe it was sharp bone. And when they took that whip, and they threw it in the body of the one that was hung up the centrifugal force aided the bone to fall into the flesh as easily as a pebble would into a pond and then with the pieces of bone sunk into the flesh when they pulled it back not only did it cause the cutting sensation, but because of the stretch position, it caused a ripping sensation, so that according to Roman history, it was not even unusual at all for a man to be ripped right in half at the whipping post. Now pieces of flesh are dangling down to his knees, his ribs are exposed, and that's why it says in Psalm 22, I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. The hair had already been plucked off his face. A random piece of bone could land into the scab face and pull down that other scab and pull down more and... Our Lord, the manly man that he was, is now taking my place, and he's taking your place on that cross. It's just almost beyond our comprehension to imagine what our Lord is experiencing at this moment. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? You know, as we go on and we think more about what Christ was suffering at this point, it's, it's hard to imagine. They pulled him down. They put a scarlet purple robe about him. I was reading that actually that scarlet purple robe was one that they had found there and it was a makeshift, uh, you might say, hood that came around him. It was very scratching, very uncomfortable. His back now was like raw hamburger meat. And then they take a crown of thorns, some six to nine inches in length, and they they twisted it around in such a way that from a distance it would look like a crown, and then they placed it upon his head, and they placed that firm reed into his hand, not like a fishing pole bamboo piece, it was more like a small baseball bat, and then they bowed the knee and mocked him saying, hell, king of the Jews, and then somebody stood up and they grabbed that firm reed like a small baseball bat. And they actually were pounding the crown of thorns into a scalp until finally scraping the skull until great bubbles of blood fell down over the scab regions of the face. Oh, can you hear? Can you hear Pontius Pilate as he sees the Lord standing there and he cries out, no doubt in his own tongue, because he's so exasperated? Isiomo! Isiomo! Behold the man! Look at him! There's none like him. Who are you? Truly, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. No, 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 no. No, don't put that on there. Uh, Say that's what he said. No, no, what I have said. What I've written, I've written. (laughs) He finally gets determined to have his way. And they led him up the Via Dolorosa, the way of the pain. The daughters of Jerusalem are weeping. He says, don't weep for me, but for yourselves. They compel one Simon of Cyrene to help bear the cross. He gets to the top of that hill. And I do believe it's the top of the hill. Now, some scholars believe it was to the bottom of the hill. But let me tell you something, friends. They wanted the world to see this. Rome wanted them to know that they are king. So let's put the king of the Jews on the hill. Oh, just exactly where the Pharisees wouldn't want everybody to see. From Gordon's Calvary, you could see easily the temple where now, on the Passover day, they're beginning to get ready to slay the rest of the 275,000 lambs. Oh, my. They take a nail and they place it very strategically between the bones, between the wrist. They take a hammer more like a modern sledgehammer, they pull it up over their head and then bring it down upon that nail. You can hear metal against metal, not like temper because they didn't do temper there, it was a sickening thud. The capillaries and the veins begin to break the blood begins to spurt for a while. Imagine one guard says to the other, he's different from the others, isn't he? He just laid there for us, didn't he? He didn't wrestle with us. Greater love hath no men than this, than that a man laid down his life for his friends, and he stretches out the other hand, and they nail that hand. And Then one foot stretched on top of the other, then that foot is nailed all the way into the second foot, all the way until the butt of the nails against the top of the foot and one more pound and he's bruised. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, Isaiah 53 says, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all and those men lift that cross into the air and you can hear it with a sickening thud that falls on the ground. You can hear the popping sound as the bones come out of joint and the Lord begins to speak and he says through his bruised and bleeding lips, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Before you judge them now, Lord, give them an opportunity to see that their salvation has been nailed to the cross. The thieves have joined in the crowd. They're railing against Jesus. Finally, one of them wises up and says, Lord, remember me when thou enterest of thy kingdom. And Jesus said, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. With his compassion, even through all of this, he has mercy on a sinful man. They knew Barabbas should have been there. They knew that this righteous man was dying, and that's what he was addressed as. He looks down, he sees Mary, and through great compassion, Mary, the woman that took care of him as a little one, the woman that gave him his first nourishment, this lovely lady who was so overwhelmed, she gave the great, magnificent, after our Lord was born. Can you imagine what it must have been like for, let's say, James and Jude to be reared up in the house of Jesus? Can you imagine Mary saying to James, why can't you be more like Jesus? That's why I have no problem believing that they had a hard time believing until after the resurrection. How would you like to be reared with a perfect brother? He never did anything that was wrong. If he ever got disciplined, it was always his parents' fault. It's perfect. It's perfect. And he looks down at her, remembering the care and the compassion. He sees the tears dripping off his face. And he says, woman, behold thy son. Another is Mary. John and I have been talking. Everything's going to be okay. Behold thy son. And he sees John and says, behold thy mother. Oh, the Bible says, Can a woman forget her suckling child that she shall not have compassion on the son of a womb? Yea, she may forget, but I will not forget thee, for I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands, Isaiah forty-nine fifteen. Hardly any greater love than love between a mother and her baby. My wife and I were talking about people that we've known and funerals that I've preached. I don't think I ever go to a funeral that's sadder than when I see a boy or a girl die. And when mother walks up to the casket, I believe that's the saddest moment of any funeral I've ever been at. And there's Mary and Jesus takes time because he knows how much a mother can love a baby boy. Mary, I haven't forgotten all the good that you did to me. You know, maybe tonight somebody needs to call mother and say thank you. Because in essence, that's what our Lord was saying. Thank you, Mary. What a sweetheart. Mary, the mother of our Lord. And then... I'm going to reverse this because this actually came after my God, my God. But you remember when Jesus said on the cross, I thirst? If you look at the last mention that thirst or drinking was brought up, it was in the garden and Jesus said, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? What was Jesus bothered about? What brought Jesus into shock and all? I tell you, I know in a, without a doubt in my own heart and mind and study of Scripture all my life, the one thing that was most painful to our Lord, more painful than the whip, more painful than the thorns, more painful than the nails, is my sin and your sin. The revelation that Jesus received in the crawl, on the crawl in the garden was not only that he would die for Johnny Pope and die for you. Is that he must become me? He must become you. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Thou art of pure eyes, the prophet said, than the behold evil. I know what this is going to cost if I become sin. I can imagine the father said, but my son, you've always pleased me. And I hate this. But the only way it can be efficacious, the only way it can be substitution, is if you become sin. Second Corinthians five and twenty-one. For he, that's the Father, hath made him Christ, the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Second. Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I thirst to fulfill all Scripture. I thirst. Yes, the Father says, take it down. And in some mysterious, marvelous way, all of my sins and your sins were poured upon his own body, on that tree. And that's why I believe he cries out while it was yet in the darkness. Eli! Eli! I was tonight. That is to say, my God! My God! Why hast thou forsaken me? Remember the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus in the form of the heavenly dove when John the Baptist baptized him. He who can be grieved, he who can be quenched by the slightest sin can you imagine what must take place now when all of my sins and all of your sins are poured upon His own body on that tree? The Holy Spirit must take His flight. Thou art of pure eyes and behold evil and the Spirit of God takes His flight. And when the Spirit of God takes His flight, remember, all of the miracles that Jesus did was through the Holy Spirit. That's why blaspheming the Holy Ghost is not forgiven because it is in essence rejecting Jesus. That's the Holy Trinity. They're in this together, you see. You don't separate But yet here, something weird is happening, is that these miracles that Jesus did through the Holy Spirit, and this wonderful blessedness of His in touch with heaven because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, now the Spirit of God takes His flight, and it is so devastating that our Lord lets us know how devastating by saying, as the Holy Spirit, the dove of God takes His flight, and He cries out, my God! And then I can see 72,000 war angels beginning to pull flaming swords out of their sheaths. And the Father says, fold your wings and turn your backs. Resheath thy sword. But Father, resheath thy sword. Turn around. And the angels fold their wings. They drop their head. And if ever angels had tears, I believe it's now as the father in his anthropomorphic way now turns his back and Christ cries the second time. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was the only way. And all of my hell and all of your hell now is compressed upon Jesus as he becomes the sinful soul that I am. And that you are. I don't want you to think about this too long, but just for a second, would you think about the worst thing you've ever done in your life? Well, that's what Jesus became on that cross for you and me. we're coming to the end of the darkness. He's on the cross for six hours. We're coming toward the end of the three hours of darkness. And our Lord cries, coming toward the end of the cross. It is finished! Just one word in Greek, tetelestai. It's the same word used whenever a man was in debtor's prison. When his debt was paid, the parchment was pulled off the door, and it was stamped tetelestai, meaning in full. It was the same word used whenever the priest would examine a little lamb. If it had no flaw or blemish and it was worthy for Passover sacrifice, he'd say, Tetelestai, this lamb is acceptable. It is pure. It was the same word used by the Cyclops when they were in battle, like our Marine Recon, like the Army uh, Green Beret, Delta Force, Navy SEALs, when they were in battle, there'd be a runner near the edge of the battle. On the edge of Athens, wives and mothers and fathers and sweethearts, uncles and aunts and grandparents were waiting on pins and needles. If it was an overwhelming victory, the runner would run back. He would see the family outside of Athens, throw his hands up and say, Titelistai! When they heard that, they would jump for joy. By the way, that's what, Isaiah, that's what Psalm 118 was saying. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross saying, it is finished, he was saying, the debt is paid. I am the Passover lamb and I'm giving the devil a death blow with what I do here today. Wow. And then he says, Father, that's interesting, isn't it? The final word of the cross. Father! Father. The first time we hear words spoken by Jesus is when he was 12 years of age. First words we've ever heard. When Mary and Joseph were looking all over Jesus and they came to Jesus and they were very upset that they had, they had finally found him but that he was lost for three days. And he said, I must be about, watch this, my father's business. I must be about my father's business. John 17, he said to the father that he had finished what he came to do and now he comes to the end of the cross and his final words spoken before he dies are the words that he started with. I must be about my father's business. Now he's done the father's business. And he says, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. The Bible says that he bowed the head and gave up the ghost. Now this was very close to the tetelestai, uh, the it is finished moment. So it's hard to exactly say, when did this take place? So it might have been just simultaneously as he said, it is finished. And he says, father into thy hands, I came in my spirit. And down yonder in the temple, they heard his echo. It's that close. They could hear him cry out, it is finished, father. And then the Bible says the veil of the temple, it was six to nine inches in thickness. It took two line of oxen to pull it up. It was now torn from the top to the bottom. Only the hand of God could have done that. And there it is, the Ark of the Covenant. And guess what? Nobody died. Why not? It wasn't because Indiana Jones wasn't there. It was unlike when the Old Testament, they peered in the box and they died. Why didn't anyone die? Because that's no longer the holy of holies. That was only meant to be a picture of the heavenly. So now that's not necessary anymore. A person's walking on crutches because they've got a wound and the wound heals and they throw the crutches away. They don't need it anymore. My friends, this was only a crutch to remind them of the holiness of God, of what it was going to take to give us salvation. Rip! And there's the Ark of the Covenant. Now what? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. If you look at the sequence of the Messianic Psalms, it begins like this, Psalm 22. My God, my God. Or, Father, forgive them. That's interesting. They pierce my hands and my feet. What happened? Well, then Psalm 23. Darkness. Yea, though I walk the valley of the shadow of death. Watch this. And then Psalm 24. Look at the sequence. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 14, that Christ offered Himself without spot to God through the eternal Spirit. Brother Pope, what do you think happened? What I think happened, is doesn't matter, but this is what I know happened. The Bible says He offered Himself without spot to God through the eternal Spirit. He says, Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit in split-second timing. Through the Spirit He went up, 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 up to the portals of glory and says at the end of the 24th Psalm, open up your gates and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors and the King of glory shall come through. I think Michael says to Gabriel, who is the king of glory? And Jesus says, the Lord's strong and mighty in battle is he. Open up your gates and be lifted up your everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come through. Mike, yeah Gabe, that's him. Open up. And now those angels that had wings folded, just like the picture in the Holy of Holies, when they lift up their wings, they're literally doing it now as Christ through the eternal spirit brings his own blood. You think all that blood that was shed on the cross just lay there on the ground? My friends, it was captured. Most of it was captured. Some of it was captured. I won't be picky how much, but I see him taking his own blood up to the Holy of Holies. Now the Father turns back around. That's what happens when you make covenant. You make the infinity and... and... And then you come face to face with a person you made covenant with. And Christ has made covenant with a father. Now the Holy Spirit is breathing and hovering over it just like he did in the morn of creation. This is why we celebrate on Sunday. Because this is greater than a Saturday Sabbath. Now the Sabbath has come. Now the rest has come for you and me. As the father turns around and the son throws his blood upon the mercy seat in heaven. Saying, father this is my blood for their sins. And in split second timing, he descends to paradise. He preaches to the people over there in Gehenna, telling them that they blew it. And he's telling the Old Testament saints, "Get ready for the sides of the north, the city of our great King." And on the third day, he rose again from the grave, and he's alive forevermore. But the night, as we sing about the cross, as we thought about the cross. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Dr. David Dick Wilson, when there was still a vestige of fundamentalism at Old Princeton, he was now in his 80s and David Dick Wilson was about to step down um, from his seat as a professor. And they said, Dr. Wilson, can you Tell us, after all of these years of studying the Bible, what is the one greatest thing that you have ever learned in your studies? This 80-something-year-old man takes off his glasses. He could read 47 different languages. 47. Someone said that he had a Hebrew translation of the New Testament and knew it by heart. This is hard to believe. I mean, the man was a brainiac beyond comprehension. Dr. David Dick Wilson took his glasses off and the tears they said came running down through the wrinkles in his face like waters in a canal and he says gentlemen the greatest thing i've ever learned in all of my life in studying the scriptures is this jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so you've been listening to a bible conference message from pensacola christian college You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.